Hey everybody, superfan Giovanni here for Classic Love Line, episode 425 from May 15th, 1997 with guest Clive Barker. It's a Monday night show. As we all know, Clive Barker is one of the most iconic guests in Classic Love Line history. He's appeared on episodes 233, 1509, 1583, and in uh, 2002 on, uh, in October of that year. In this episode, Clive talks about his various films and books and how little the budget on the first Hellraiser was. After saying he grew up without a television, Drew gets Clive to tell the infamous story involving public restrooms and the advice of his grandmother that inspired Candyman. Adam once again tells the story about being on the prop lane that only had one propeller moving, as he discussed recently in the Mark Paul Gossler episode, I do believe. And Clive talks about his first flight on the Concorde. You can follow Clive on Twitter at RealCliveBarker, R-E-A-L-C-L-I-V-E-B-A-R-K-E-R. No amount of praise will do Clive's appearances justice. He's one of the greatest uh, guests in the history of Adam and Drew broadcasting and brings out the best from both men simultaneously when he appears on the show. I only wish there were more episodes in the archive. There may be a lost episode from 98, but we're not sure Adam Kroll is present for that one. It'll be interesting to see how that plays out and if we even have a copy. As per usual, it's recorded in 1997. Some medical advice may be out of date. Please consult your own physician or contact Dr. Drew and Mike Catherwood on Current Day Loveline. 1-800-LOVE-191. Listener discretion is advised. And you can follow us on Twitter at Podcast One, on Facebook, Podcast One there as well, and PodcastOne.com, the home of all your favorite podcasts. Make sure to download our app on uh, iOS or Android devices. And if you'd like to check out more of my work, please visit SuperfanGeo.com, SuperfanGio.com. Mahalo and get it on. The following program is a podcast1.com production. <laughs> Two. Three. Welcome. Love line. With Adam Carolla and Dr. Drew. Would you sleep with sick women? I may be pregnant, but I'm still a man. Thank the unruly one. It's indecent, it's vulgar, it's blasphemous. You're gonna write it or you can't stand up. Come on, come on, let's go down. Loveline's meant for an adult audience. Loveline may contain sexually oriented content. Listener discretion is advised. Here's Loveline with Dr. Drew and Adam Carolla. Uh, yeah, thanks for turning that on, Mike. <laughs> you screwed up, Mike. Oh, at the beginning. All right. <laughs> Engineer Mike is, uh, I've, uh, I've, drawn, I've driven him completely insane. He, you know, he threw out all the chairs last night. Made a big pile. Bonfire. And uh, took them out to a dumpster and you, you ditched know, them. You know, I, I uh, caught him in the parking lot. As I drove in, he was getting ready to take off. Really? He goes, Adam, I just can't take it. Oh, please. That's what please, he said. I, I please. That's what he said. He loves you, me. Did you not say that? Yeah, he's really going nuts. I don't know what's up with him. All right, uh, PMSing. Uh, I'm in pain. My breasts hurt. Okay, hold on, Drew. Please, enough out of you. Uh, Clive Barker is here this evening. Hello, Good Clive. Good evening, young Adam. All right, be quiet for just one moment now. Okay. Phone number 1-800-LOVE-191. Fax number 310-854-4455. Now, for those of you who uh, don't know Clive, and I'm uh, sure you all do, Hellraiser, uh, Candyman, Lord of Illusions, uh, what, what am I forgetting? Bunch of books. Bunch of books. Bunch of books. And uh, the author of all of them. Yeah, yeah, my mother did a couple, but I don't know. I'm kidding. Yeah, I wrote them all. And uh, <clears throat> you uh, and you just did that thing, uh, Quicksilver Highway? Was yeah, it? that was one of my stories, which was adapted for Fox. Sure. That you and uh, Stephen King... Steve did one story. I They were both short stories, which, which uh, a, a wonderful director called Mick Garris took. And I, he did The Shining recently on... Right. On, uh, TV, and I've known Mick a long time. He did a, 
uh, a great job and and yeah but I was I was you know very remote from that I actually had one line in it I actually got to appear in it which was kind of oh you acted in it well I wouldn't go as far as that I said a line he appeared I appeared exactly and uh, that was on Fox just this week right 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 a couple nights ago and uh, what are you working on now? Well, actually, because I know you're here just to have a good time. Tonight, oh yeah, 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 which we appreciate. Well, actually, that's 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 right. Uh, we're doing a whole bunch of stuff with Fox. Actually, my company, Seraphim, uh, we're working on a bunch of uh, movies of the week for Fox, mm-hmm. and um, and a series or two, and something for kids, Fox Kids Network. Just a, a whole slew of TV. So uh, obviously, if you're doing stuff that's uh, geared toward kids, it's yeah. not all the standard Clive Barker. No, I actually I've actually written a lot for kids now, and uh, actually one of one of my kids' books, Thief of Always, is in preparation to to be a feature over at Universal. So, kids' stuff is very important to me. Well, what age group are you going for there? Uh, Thief. Uh, the book yeah. prenatal uh, am I right uh, actually no because they can't read you know oh, right. it's too dark in the womb listen I'm 32 uh, I can't read uh, <laughs> let's not go there uh, um, uh, 7 and 8 upwards um, and uh, the book is taught in schools to I guess the youngest would be 7 year olds mm. so your book is taught in schools mm-hmm. is that what you're saying mm-hmm. that's yeah. kind of cool yeah it's great it's really wonderful and you know I'm a, I'm a great reader of kids fiction still um, and uh, you know, go back to the classics constantly, and just have a great. Wait, time. wait, what are the classics of cl- well, kids literature? Well, I would say you know, hop on pop as a. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just gonna. All right, go. On. Just go. Um, uh, actually, the st- English stuff, I suppose. You know, Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, uh. um, Treasure Island. I still go back. Uh-huh. To. Love that book, and uh, so th- so it tends to be turn of the century stuff, right? You know. Um, but more recently, there's a wonderful, uh, uh, actually, Los Angeles author called uh, Francesca LeBlanc, who wrote the Wheatsy Bat books. Do you know those books? No. Which are, they're really wonderful. They're for an older audience than seven or eight-year-olds. They're sort of, I guess, early teens. Uh-huh. But she writes this wonderfully um, knowing, stylish prose about the problems of teens, which I, in Los Angeles, and the... the, the Sexual stuff is is very much a part of what she writes, which obviously isn't true of Alice in Wonderland and Peter Pan, unless you take a psychoanal- psychoanalytic view of it. Right. Uh, but uh, Francesca does wonderful stuff. So there's a lot of contemporary writers I really enjoy for children as well. Let me uh, backtrack for just okay. uh, one moment here, and um, I should probably know the answer to this. But like, take something like Hellraiser. Sure. Was that? Uh, Part of a book or in a book it was or a book. was a it book? It was a novella. It's a, it is a novella actually called The Hellbound Heart, which is that's a novel where people sing. It's a novella <laughs> where people try to sing. Ah, okay. Yeah. Where did that come from? No, Operetta, no. opera, oh, okay. novel, novella. Okay. You've got to follow his logic. It's yeah. very skewed. It's very bizarre. <laughs> Can we I've, really I've, describe I've his logic? Is logic uh, actually a theft? No, 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 of course not. It's just the, the quality of thought that okay. I've been exposed okay. to here uh, for the last year Let me remind you two a-holes. I am in the room with you while you're talking about me. You seem to have lost sight of that. <laughs> yes, it's a, nove- it's a novel that people sing. Yeah. A- and... Uh, <laughs> Are you asking me? No, I'm agreeing with you. You're, okay. you're in charge. I'm agreeing. But but more people obviously became familiar with it uh, after it came onto the big screen. Oh, absolutely. No question. I mean, probably more people have seen that uh, movie on video than will ever read the book. And is there, do you have any, have you sort of been there, done that with that sort of thing? Or do you have plans to go back? 
and uh, uh, revisit that chapter in your life. That chapter, you know, it's 10 years since that first movie came out, and I think it's, it's very much a part of my past. But having said that, the... You know, the monsters follow me around. I mean, you know, the, I'm always, I think, going to be identified with the Hellraiser movies, the Candy Pinhead movies. and all that. I have no problem with that. I mean, I'm, I'm, they were good movies for their time. They still scare people on video. I'm, I'm proud of them. What was the budget on the first Hellraiser? $900,000. Really? Yeah. Because the effects were pretty good. Well, they were for their time. I mean, it was, this is way before CGI and, and that stuff. And, What's you CGI? Know, What's the uh, computer computer, computer generated imagery, I think. Yeah. Is, uh, yeah. yeah. But I mean, like Pinhead. I mean, the makeup work. It was really. It was. And great. all that. It was great, but you know. Anyway, the guy was hanging from the chains with yeah. all the hooks in him. Well, it was all you know, good value for money, but it was a cheap, cheap movie. And uh, so somebody made a ton of money on that. I wish it had been me, but it, it wasn't. wasn't. But I actually, I don't mind that. I mean, I signed. I I suppose the you know the suckers deal right because i signed away the rights you know in perpetuity on those pictures and on those images oh. uh because you know who knew right and somebody was giving me nine hundred thousand dollars to make this picture and i was very um i was very happy well you know, you know I, 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 I just had this thought which is uh it's real easy in in hindsight to say oh you should have you know uh held your ground uh, sure. maintained control sure. and blah 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 nah. but how often does something really break out? I mean, no, most and, of the time you're, you're ripping and, off the and, studio. And you and just take the money, the thing doesn't make a penny, and you're laughing all the way to the bank. And you can't predict it. I mean, that's the point. And at the end of the day, if the work gives you pleasure to do, I think that's where you've got to say, well, that's the... I mean, this sounds kind of crass, but, you know, uh, you, you can't be thinking constantly about, well, you know, where's the money, where's the money? Because if you do... You spend your time looking at the bottom line instead of, well, am I enjoying getting up in the morning and going to do the work? Right. But just for kicks, uh, how much has uh, Hellraiser made collectively? Uh, Video? I w I, you know, I, that's something I... International really, I, sales? Oh, man, I wish... Uh, somebody should compute that. I haven't got a clue. I know I was paid $21,000 to write and direct it. Right. Oh. <laughs> Picture uh, cable rights, international video. Oh, you can you know oh. that it's more than a hundred times that, or oh, at least it's, it's, uh, oh, hundreds of millions. Oh, I'm sure at this point, it's a huge amount of money. Yeah, I mean, maybe a thousand made, times. Yeah, more they've than. made uh, you know three sequels and then make you a fourth sequel and you know there's See, been all ten thousand. This is the beauty of the beauty of Love Line is uh, Drew and I are reaming everybody. <laughs> <laughs> like, this show can't make a penny, can it, Drew? <laughs> tell us it can't. <laughs> 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 the more markets we get in, uh, this is according to the management, the more markets we get into, yeah. uh, the uh, the less money the show is making, somehow. I, I, I have not yeah. yet uh, been able to work out that math, but uh, it keeps making less and less money. My suspicion is that studios are making the same calculations every day. Right, you know? right. Coming to America, uh, yeah. lost money. All right, Drew. Uh, to the phones we go. Sarah, 19. Hi, guys. Hey. Hey. Um... Okay, I have a couple questions, but first, the situation is uh, last weekend, uh, I, went with, I went drinking with a couple of people from work, and we started playing drinking games, and I'm not a very big girl, so, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot for me to get drunk, 
And let me explain uh, drinking games. Uh, yes, it is, help help it, me with this. What is the there, there's a few of them. They don't have them uh, okay. in England. No. In England, uh, people are loaded by noon. Uh, they don't need drinking games over there. Oh. <laughs> there's no, object, no fun in getting someone loaded who's already about to vomit because he's had uh, 14 pints during his lunch break. What is a drinking game? But here, uh, where we don't drink till after work. Okay. They have these games where basically they have like quarters where you take a quarter and you take an empty glass and you bounce the quarter off the countertop. And if it lands in the glass, you can get whoever uh, around the table. Drew, I have to explain this to you, too. I know. What, there's that other game. What's that one where you can't point at people? And... Uh, you can't say certain words. And, of course, uh, the, the more loaded you get, the more you screw up, the more you drink. And it becomes a uh, vicious uh, vomiting cycle. Got it. And what guys will do is they'll get into these games with a couple of women and they'll just get them toasted. Yeah. And people get so involved with the game that they'll have to continue the game that even if they're at the point of uh, alcohol poison, they will still have that, uh, you know, 15th shot. And I'm guessing uh, something like that happened to Sarah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah. So what happened? Um, well, like I said, I was pretty much gone. Was it the guys getting you to drink? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, one of the guys saw this as an opportunity to take advantage of me. Yes. And now I work with him. And I work with a couple of his friends, too. And they've been harassing me at work. So I just quit. What, what do you mean harassing you? Um, you know, coming up to me, asking me if I'll go out with them. And, uh, you know, just stuff like that, making rude comments. How did the guy take advantage of you? We had sex. And were you coherent? No. So were you I, well, I, I don't remember it. Were I only remember parts. Were you, uh, were they the good parts? Because that makes a difference. Uh, were you passed out, or you just uh, so oblivious? I'm so oblivious. I remember crying. Do you, do you remember, you know, telling him no and trying to stop him and that kind of stuff? No. Okay. All right, but it's not something you wanted to do or normally would have done. No, and they all know this. I mean, right? Being oh, they know that's why they took you out to get you drunk. Yeah. Because they know uh, under sober circumstances they wouldn't have a chance. Did you like your job? Yeah, I did. Are you going to file a grievance? Um, no, I told the managers what happened, just so they know, because I have, like, a couple days left working there. Right. And um, I told them the situation so that if anything happened, if any of the guys kept coming up to me, that if I got angry, not to hold it against me. Well, why don't you actually file a grievance? I mean, this is not appropriate at all. Yeah, but it, the, against the harassment or yeah, against the, harassment, the actual the rape event? Of, unless, you, unless you, did you have a forensic examination after this? Did you go to an emergency room or anything like that? No. Well, she she, she knew she had sex with it. Yeah, I mean, the point is she'd have, she'd have trouble proving that it was a rape, but there's, right. there's no doubt that she is uh, being um, intruded upon in the workplace in ways that she is asking it not to happen. Right. Well, there's two things here, right? One is what happened last Friday yes. night, and what, the other is what's happened subsequently. Correct. Right? And they're separate and issues. They're separate issues. Yeah. And the, the one last Friday, I, it sounds like, you know, she doesn't want to deal with that and hadn't dealt with it, and it'd be tough to deal with it right, in but, retrospect. But, but, Although certainly she could. Right. But, Sarah, are you sure you want to quit? Um, I mean, you say you like the job. Certainly you could discipline these guys or have these guys disciplined if they kept up. Yeah, I've talked to the managers. What and kind of job is it? They've. I work in the restaurant business. Your waitress? A hostess. No, you can get a hostess job anywhere, though, yeah. Sarah. That's yeah. no big job. All right, you can quit. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, you have my permission to quit. <laughs> okay, thank you. Uh, steal as many of those mints as you can carry away from the counter uh, when you leave. Uh, and the toothpicks. The toothpicks, uh, mints, and I'll, I I would go for that whole March of Dimes uh, coin bucket, too, that they put right nah, there nah, by the register. Nah, nah. <laughs> uh, Sarah, it's actually a pretty complex situation you're presenting us with. There are lots of different issues here, and, and, and I don't know if we can get into all of them. One is uh, what's going on with you and alcohol. Two is, why did these guys see you as a victim? Three, what are you going to do about this rape? And even if you had said yes, I don't know if you're in California, but in California you can't have sex with somebody that's not able to render consent due to intoxication. It's rape. And then four, what are you going to do with the workplace situation, which is uh, harassing and abusive? And these are, these are complex, very difficult issues. I, I would suggest you get some kind of help with this. I mean, either whether it's legal counsel, uh, psychological counsel, something to help uh, you sort it out. So you're psychological, not, she's, all right. She's 19 and doing this on her own. Very difficult. And it, this is not a situation. You, you were a victim straight down the line. All right, all but I hate, to say, I hate to say this, but this happens every day. Well, I mean, I mean, guess what? It doesn't make it right. <laughs> okay. Thanks, Drew. Wait, wait, don't look at me. Please. Well, you, I haven't you, done this you're in a saying long time. Though, you're saying as though you condone it. I mean, I, no, I, I, I'm just saying... I, I'm about real... to get on my, my soap pops about, about the, the right. empowerment of women again. Please, stay away from the soap pops and your empowerment of women. <laughs> if, you, if you could. <laughs> what would you do? Take a quaalude before you came in? <laughs> you know what I'm my breasts hurt. All right. You know, you know what time I started my work day? <laughs> no, I don't want to talk Three about it. 3A. Listen. 3A. 3A what? What is three? You put your finger in three? three I started my work. Oh. I had to be in the... I, I started, oh. It was a horrible day. Uh, listen, if I, if I had to be somewhere so at 3 a.m., I would just stay up. we should forgive you? I don't even know where I am today. I really, I've just been working all day. It's ridiculous. It's, it's what? It's recoculous. Thank five, you. I made it my so first patient's point at 5 in the morning. The whole thing's recoculous, and you're giving advice. Oh, Drew could do this. Uh, he, he really, he, <laughs> Drew could. Drew will continue to do the show three months after he dies. There you go. I, I swear to God, engineer will Mike. Will the advice get better? We're gonna, uh, it, it won't get worse. There I'll you tell go. you that. There we you will. Uh, I want to mic up uh, Drew's corpse uh, when they put him in the ground, and we'll uh, we'll do a remote. I'll put a, like a lavalier be on kind you. Kind of smothered, but uh, <laughs> Edward, thirty. Hi. Hey. Um, I've got a girlfriend that. Dropped Turn your radio down, or Adam will hang up on you. Okay. All right. Well, too late. He has to learn. Now, I didn't hang up. He'll just uh, wait the mandatory uh, hour and 45 minutes. All right. Um, John, 17. Hey, how's hey. it going, Adam Drew? Oh. Mm. Uh, I need you guys to know something. Mm. You're mm. talking to a real Renaissance man there. Clive? Mr. Clive Barker. Oh, absolutely. Hey, thank the, you. The guy is absolutely amazing. Thank you. Uh, he writes plays. Jeez, it, he's incredible. He's here. Yeah. <laughs> so I wanted to ask him a couple of questions. Would that be all right? Hold on. Let me ask him. Clive? It's perfectly fine by me. Anybody who calls me a Renaissance man at 10 past 10 on a Thursday evening gets my close attention. Go Thank ahead, you, John. Thank okay. Thank you so much. I wanted to ask you about, uh, well, it's the most recent book that I've read, uh, okay. Sacrament. Sure. And I noticed it was a real departure from a lot of your earlier stuff. Right. Um, a lot of your books, I noticed... Um, you know, did have a whole coming of age sort of a was sacrament. Was that the gay dwarf one? Uh, I don't know where the dwarf comes. He was a little yeah. guy. No, the... he wasn't little. He was just oh, on the book on the cover. Was yeah. There was a fox on the cover. Oh, uh, was a little fox. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's just pretend, Adam. I don't know. I've got, I'm dealing with somebody who's falling asleep here and a drunk. I don't know what I'm dealing with here. Let's just all right. But that was the last book you did. Yeah, that, that was the last. Book okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Anyhow, yeah, I noticed it was a real departure from a, from a lot of your other stuff. Right, uh, your other stuff, you know, didn't involve a lot of you know uh, self discovery journeys and that kind of thing. Sure, 
but a lot of it was behind, uh, you know, a lot of mysticism and stuff. And this right. one wasn't so much. It was a no. lot of psyche stuff, I noticed that. And, and very much dealing with kind of real-world issues. I mean, you know, yeah. uh, the, the hero of that book is a, is a wildlife photographer, and he, he really photographs almost exclusively um, uh, creatures that are on the verge of extinction, okay. which is a... You know, uh, Adam, something Clive, like Clive confided to me that his appearances on Loveline have, have changed his uh, his writing style completely. Yeah, you know, I, <laughs> he's based on reality. You know, really, listening to Dr. Drew here, I now just you know ridiculous and all kinds of Recoculous. stuff. Recoculous. Um No, to to just go back to the issue of, of of changing style. You know, I'm I've been writing now fourteen. I've been published now fourteen years. Um, 44, I'm 44. I'm, I, I want to continue to develop what I'm doing. I want to continue to find fresh avenues for my work. Uh, you know, one of the worst things I think you can do to yourself as an artist and certainly to your audience is repeat yourself. Um, I know there is a big marketplace for just going and doing the same thing again. Uh, you know, and that's true of movie makers and it's true of filmmakers, uh, true of uh, writers. It's, 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 it's true pretty much across the arts that if you if you find something that works very often the pressure is to just go and do it again right and and, and but you know if i write a book uh, it's 15 months of my life and to go and do what i did last time is just drudgery right so you know the 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 new book uh, galilee which i i started the the final draft of that yesterday it's another seven months from delivery uh, you know, is a departure again, and the whole idea is to keep reinventing myself. How, <clears throat> how uh, I, I don't know, I don't want to say devoted, but uh, obviously you have a following who will go out and get Clive Barker's uh, latest right. offering. Right. All and I have to do is see Clive Barker on the cover. <laughs> I love that. Thank you. I, I, I totally buy it right there. I actually found it in Save Mart, which is... Uh, oh, really? Sacrament was in Save Mart? Yes. <laughs> It was paperback. It was right up there by the aisle, and I couldn't That's believe it. very cool. We're preaching to the unconverted out there. <laughs> I, I think it's kind of ironic, though, that you don't find it in, like, in all the other big chain bookstores. I love it. So there it is. There Why it is. don't you find it in the uh, big chain bookstores? Well, you should, though, very often. You, you know. can. I saw it at, at the grocery store first, though. Oh, yeah. I just think that's so cool. You know, along with Daniel Steele, presumably. Right. Uh, um, you know, one of the things for me as a, as as a passionate uh, advocate of the word. I mean, we, we live in you know, the post-literate age. We're constantly being told. Actually, what I'm discovering is that uh, a lot of people are coming back to books. Oh, yeah. yes. Absolutely. It's, 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 it's being, yes. you know, the word is being rediscovered. And, you know... Um, well, with each new piece of technology, people naturally assume the old technology will die immediately. Right. I have a friend who's a high-powered guy in the newspaper mm -hmm. business, and people are always coming at him with, oh, my God, the newspapers are going to be obsolete in another six months. Mm -hmm. uh, but but they're not, and, and, and uh, they haven't been, and they've kept up. And this is... Uh, this is a way of getting information that people like, newspapers, books, uh, magazines, uh, whatever it is. Uh, uh, and just because it's more convenient yeah, uh, uh, to get it from a computer right. or some other source doesn't mean that's what Something people want. Else, though, we were talking before we came on the air about, Dr. Drew was here saying the, the theater of the mind, you were talking mm -hmm. about radio, mm -hmm. the theater of the mind, mm -hmm. uh, as compared with television where, you know, people are reading the screen and seeing all these nuances on your face and you said before we came on the air that many of your viewers were disappointed to see you in the flesh because they had an image of you 
from radio, uh, which was their own creation. Uh, now, I think there's a parallel there in books. Um, books are a very intimate experience, uh, in part because you are a co-creator with mm -hmm. the author. Mm -hmm. uh, you're not... Uh, uh, passively receiving uh, stimuli, visual stimuli, THX, whatever else it is, and in the, the the cinematic experience, you can just sort of sit there and you know it, it can wash over you. It can be incredibly loud, and you can you know feel the the seat shaking beneath you, and yet you can walk out of the cinema and sort of shrug it off. Right. If you involve yourself in a book and connect with the author's mind. Um, there is a sense in which, as I said before, you're sort of co-creating the book. It's, it, you said the theater of the mind for radio. Well, I think books are the ultimate theater of the mind. Something is being, you're casting this thing in your head, you're creating it, uh, the images in your head. And I think, though, that that experience and the, the energy of that experience and the, the, uh, the power of that experience will never be superseded. It doesn't matter how slick the movie becomes, however, you know, amazing the interactive, you know, virtual reality experience becomes the ultimate virtual reality is taking words off a page and finding it coming to life but, in your mind's eye. But what about Pinhead? Oh, God. I, can I put out his eyes with my fingers? All right, we, I thought he was going to bring up porno, so as long as he didn't do that, so we're, we're okay. So we're, so we're on, yeah. I, I wanted to bring up porno, but Drew <laughs> just stepped on my line. All right, uh, listen, we have to go to break. Uh, we'll be back uh, with Clive, and uh, I hope we get to some gambling tonight, because uh, I think Clive will be a formidable opponent uh, for Dr. Drew, who's just been kicking my ass uh, at, the, uh, at the gambling uh, table I bought lately. my kids ice cream tonight with your five bucks, too. Uh, all right, I, I hope they get salmonella. What are you spending on TV a month? $40? $60? 100 or more? Shame on you. You could get a world of entertainment with Dish and pay just $19.99 a month for the first 12 months. And then take all the money you save to buy puppy treats. Don't pay more than $20 a month for the first year of great TV. Call 844-269-DISH. 844-269-DISH. Limited time offer. 24-month commitment and credit qualification required. Cancellation fee and other restrictions apply. Call for details. Get Dish for just $19.99 a month for 12 months. Call 844-269-DISH. 844-269-DISH. What's up, you mutts? It's Kevin Clancy, better known as KFC from BarstoolSports.com, the most popular guy website online. Now we're doing the Barstool Network, which is everything that's great about Barstool, brought to you in podcast form. We've got two podcasts. Mail Time is for the average working guy in the cubicle looking to escape his day with relatable stories of 9 to 5 life. KFC Radio is like every drunken guy's conversation with his friends, but with me and your favorite other Barstool personalities. Download it now at podcastone.com. That's podcastone.com. Uh, Love line phone number one eight hundred L O V E one nine one fax number three one zero eight five four forty four fifty five. We are here with the uh, creator of uh, Hellraiser, Candyman, Lord of Illusions, and uh, many other uh, endeavors, uh, literary and uh, and uh, cinematic. Uh, a uh, a Renaissance man, uh, as I he was called. I got a fax here from Kristen Anderson <coughs> in Portland, Oregon. Lovely message. And I wanted to thank her for that. She asked me where I get my ideas from. And that's like, that's the $64,000 question. I was having a conversation with my mom and dad recently about, you know, was I a weird kid? <laughs> and my mom said, of course you were a weird kid, dear. You know, like, why, why would you ever imagine otherwise? 
which I sort of found comforting in a way. I've, I, they then sent me a picture uh, from when I was six, I guess, of my of my class all lined up, or sitting. You know, the the, the photograph. This would be 1959, 1960, and I am this rather worried-looking kid yeah. with his hair slicked back, a little bow tie, oh. looking rather fiercely at the. And I think yeah, I was probably I probably was a damn weird kid. Were you? Uh uh, socially, uh, were you an outcast, or did you have lots of friends? No, I didn't have a lot of friends. I, I had a, I had a lot of imaginary friends. I mean, I my mother my mother tells the tale of just being able to sort of park me in a corner and allow me to talk to the invisible friends. Right. And um, uh, I was having a conversation with, with with my dear friend Anna, who is who is my partner, one of my partners in the film company, and she was talking about being able to talk to animals when she was a kid and needing to talk to, needing something that was perhaps other than human to share her problems with, and animals were always the thing that Anna, you know, conversed with, and I conversed with these invisibles, and I think sometimes that what I write is a, a continuation of that conversation that that when i'm writing these things that are that i'm writing about are are absolutely as real as you guys are right now and, and you grew up in england right yeah in liverpool yeah see that's that's a problem 19 uh, six, 1960 <laughs> england uh, there's three channels and uh, two of them are the gardening channel yeah so, uh, um, you're right imagine we, how many imaginary we, friends you would wait, cook wait, wait, up in 1960 I, we did not have a television oh so oh, you poor dear. I would no, sue my parents. Yeah, but, well, you know, all joking aside, that was, oh, this was right. a wonderful thing. My favorite Clive Art story, though, is what his grandmother told him. Which part of what my grandmother told me? About using public restrooms. Oh, man, yeah. Well, yeah that, and the inspiration for the, the candy inspiration man? The inspiration for the candy man, yeah. Um, my, shall I repeat it? Uh, yes. My grandmother uh, was an extraordinary storyteller. And uh, <coughs> part Irish, very... Uh, Loved telling the dark stories, you know, and uh, she told me absolutely that if I went into you know public lavatory in England, there was or in Liverpool, there was this guy who went around and cut the peepees off little boys in public toilets. Oh, what a thank you! Uh, how dramatic! And um, it's you know that's the kind of thing. How old were you when she told you? That? Uh, five, probably. Ugh. And uh, you bought it until what? You're 22, 23, or still think it's true? Man's <laughs> <laughs> exactly. he, he still sits down to go number one, ladies and gentlemen, and, and that's at home. Uh, Kelly, that's more information than anybody needs. <laughs> Kelly, twenty-three. Hi, Adam. Hi, Drew. Hey. Hi, Clive. Hey, how you doing? <laughs> Sorry, I was taking a little uh, drink of uh, beer. Um. This is, I have a comment and a question. Mm -hmm. My comment is, I hear you guys every night talking to alcoholics and addicts who are teenagers, and a lot of them are presumably college students, and I just wanted to share my own experience. I'm a recovering alcoholic. I've been sober for four years. And one of the things, actually it was probably the thing aside from 12-stepping that got me through college was um, living in a substance-free house. Mm -hmm. And I know that most colleges and universities have these, and my advice to any college student right now who is struggling because they're drinking too much, get get in this program. Do whatever you can to get into a substance-free house. It's the best 
best gift. Now, when you say house, uh, do you mean like dorm or yeah, is it a... it's a dorm. Sometimes they have like floors, you know, it'll be like floor six of a dorm is devoted to substance. And, the, you know, they'll have different programming. Um, usually they have peer counselors, you know, more RAs than you'd have on other floors or mm-hmm. mine was a whole dorm. Kelly, I, excellent suggestion. I think maybe one of the reasons you don't hear us making specific suggestions like that is if you listen, the thing we're dealing with most significantly is just trying to break down their denial so they at least accept or understand the fact that they have a disease and what the quality of that disease is. Oh, sure. And I, I mean, I just wanted to share my own experience. Um, right. My problem now is I'm 23 and I'm getting ready to go back to school. Um, I've been accepted into a post-bac pre-med program. Mm-hmm. And... I got a form in the mail the other day. I have to have a physical. And one of the questions, of course, um, they ask about a whole bunch of diseases, and one of them is alcoholism. And I was wondering if, if this is going to hurt me at all. to a medical school application? Um, no, it's not a med school application. I've been accepted to a post-baccalaureate pre-med right. program. I, I can't what imagine. What the hell is a post-baccalaureate? Means, well, I was a voice major in college. means after she graduated, she's going back and getting some, some the pre-med requirements. Out what of do you do as a voice uh, major? Um, like phone it. machines and stuff? No. Radio. Opera. <laughs> oh, opera. It's oh, hold on. Uh, uh, Drew's got a Woody going. Uh, do, do a little. Could you guys uh, collaborate on something? Give us a little shot opera, Kelly. Don't let him do this to you, Kelly. Shh. Please, Drew. I know good radio. It's not worthy of your training. What is mine? Uh, no, but, no, no, no. Drew. Drew. Oh, okay. What's my favorite opera? Yeah. Oh, just spit one out, please. Uh, you like uh, Puccini, Verdi? I like a lot of Verdi. All right, I'll sing it. Um, How about like, Pace Mio Dio? Fine. Right, you give her a little reverb, uh, Engineer Mike. All right, uh, you ready, Kelly? Oh, sure. <clears throat> Be a big woman? No. <laughs> there's big a, voice? There's a little pause there. All right, go ahead. Go. I add 10 pounds for every uh, tenth of a second to pause after the big woman question. I'm 5'5", and I weigh 140. All right. That's All right. Not too big. A little pause. All right, go ahead. Okay. Uh, I can't sing very loud because my roommate is asleep. Yeah. <laughs> that was uh, that was wonderful, and um, uh, well, you may well, make a better doctor. We we'll never know. I want I want to ask the same question of you, Kelly. What's your favorite opera? Oh, my favorite opera is La Forza. That's what Pache's from, La Forza. Uh, okay. Okay. All right, uh, this is uh, this is turning into some uh, BBC special hosted by Alistair Cook, uh, for Christ's sake. Come on, let's get back to uh, boobs and BJs. Yeah. No, my question, my question. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Um, should I admit to being an alcoholic? Is this No. Problem? I think it, it's, Please, well, no. It's, it's none of their business, but I don't think it can harm you uh, at the institution where you are now. I don't know if it makes an issue in terms of your application process for medical schools. Well, if I'm you're asking sh- the question... Well, I think they're just trying to create a medical record for them to know what, what sorts of issues they may have to look for if something should happen to this well, person. Well, you know, why do they need to know? In, he in, just said let's, why. Let, let's, say, let's say she turns up... Yeah, on, but I mean, that's not a real reason. That's just... No, no let's say she turns up unconscious on campus, and they look up a record. It's all oh, a history of alcoholism. She might have overdosed on something. Let's let's oh, look okay. quickly at that possibility. Yeah, a little tenuous there, uh, Drew. I, I, I'm with Clive on this one. I, I don't it's, believe... It is none of their business. She doesn't have to feel... She doesn't feel, have to feel compelled uh, to tell them, I don't right. think. I think if she has a relationship with a medical caretaker, a person... She really needs to be honest with that person or they can't do their job properly. But in terms of a record, that's her business. But also, it seems like Kelly has gone through a lot of steps to get sober and healthy and all those other things. And taking even the smallest risk of being 
you know, dealt with in a negative way well, because of something. Yeah, that I, I tell you what, I, there, there is such insanity in how this culture deals with addiction and alcoholism, such inconsistency, such lack of understanding about what this thing is. Um, I hate to have people hide or feel ashamed of it. Uh, it should be yeah, no but, different than diabetes. As far right, as I'm right, but it is. I, I know, I understand right. that. So, 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 you know, I, the, 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 healthy, the healthy attitude is fine, but unfortunately dealing very yes. often with institutions... Yep, I understand what you're saying. Uh, you know, you're not dealing with, with, with sane people very often. You're dealing with people Systems. with terrible prejudices. Systems, and, yeah, yeah, yeah bureaucracy. I don't know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But we have to go to break. I'm sorry. We'll sing a little. No, that's right. And when we come back, <laughs> uh, Drew will do something from the Barber of Seville. Well, will you not, Drew? Shame. I will not. <laughs> Blinds galore, baby. Cool your home, man. You want to talk about it. I know it's getting hot. It's hot where we are. It's hot where you are, I'm it's sure. It's hot right here. It's hot right here. Oh. No. Yeah, turn the air down a little. Anyway, it, the, the sun just blasting through. I mean, think about how hot your car gets. Think how much cooler your car would be if you parked it out in the sun if it had blinds all the way around. Well, that's the same thing with your house. And then also everything gets bleached out. The fabric gets bleached out. The... You get bleached out. The carpet gets bleached out. BlindsGalore.com. Quality, custom-built blinds and shades made just for you. We use them here. Use them there. And it's the kind of thing you get once and you use it for the next 25 years. So let's get going. Free samples, free shipping, free design advice, and uh, real easy. And you save money over the big box stores. Blinds Galore. They really do have Blinds Galore. Go to BlindsGalore.com. Let them know I sent you. Let them know that uh, they are proud sponsors and that you heard it here. BlindsGalore.com. All right. Happiest party in town. That is Dr. Drew, and uh, he is Clive Barker. And we shouldn't be embarrassed by that. No, nope, exactly. Away from that. exactly. I'm embarrassed by the fact that... All right. It's a meeting of the minds over here. Plato and Socrates going at it, and uh, I, I'm like the Hey Vern guy sitting in the middle. It's, it's humiliating. Uh, you know, we have to find a happy uh, balance on this show. We either have uh, the <laughs> guests that are completely brain dead, or we go, uh, listen, we're gambling on the past of the person. We want to know what happened in her past uh, her that parents. made her into the, the person she is today. Uh, bad hair day. <laughs> we either, <laughs> we either get that, or we get uh, Clive Barker over here, who actually was just arguing in Latin uh, <laughs> with Drew. <laughs> All right, so there's got to be somewhere somewhere in the middle, someone I can identify with. But uh, Clive well, what, is here. What, what is bad head in Latin? <laughs> Don't put me on the spot. I'm Clive. sorry. Uh, oh, can I, answer another, can I answer another facts here? Oh, for, oh it's me, me, me. It's I know, Clive, I know, Clive, no, no, Clive. No, somebody asked a question, I want to answer it. Okay. Uh, uh, a gentleman called Keith Bustle uh, here in Santa Monica just faxed and uh, asked whether I was writing any sequels to a book I wrote called The Great and Secret Show. And there's a whole bunch of, of answers to that question, Keith. But I did a book called Everville, which was a direct sequel to that book. And then there will be a third book in what will eventually, I think, just be a trilogy, um, which I will start writing next year. Well, let's talk about the creative process sure. for just uh, one moment, because we have a lot of people uh, listening. I, I uh, myself was... Uh, 
uh, trapped in in this uh, process, and and still am to some degree. But when I was like eighteen or nineteen, I had a whole bunch of good ideas, mm. and I couldn't think of what to do with them, and mm. I could not discipline myself to uh, work on them, go out and uh, because. Uh, you know, stuff uh, does not happen overnight as right. much as the media would like to portray it that way. And as much as it's convenient for you to think that people came out of nowhere, people hone their craft. Uh, I don't care if it's painting. I don't care if it's dance, uh, singing, uh, a comedy, uh, sure. l- uh, literature, whatever it is. Sure. Uh, people hone their craft. How do you, uh, first off, do you have to discipline yourself to sit down and crank out X amount of pages? Or is it something you love so much that you're just compelled to do it? Oh, I think both can be true. Yes, I think you can be completely obsessed with the the business of doing it and still find it very painful. Right, uh, and and uh, I am, uh, you know, I, I said earlier on, I've, I've just started the final draft of of my new book. It's seven months from delivery, and so that means for the next seven months, seven days a week, I'm at my desk between eight thirty and nine. I finish when I finish when I've done somewhere around two thousand words, and. That will continue for seven months, and part of me thinks that's a kind of prison sentence. Right. Uh, you know. Uh, you got a TV at your desk? Uh, damn, absolutely not. I have oh. nothing. Oh, nothing. Man, that's more in prison. You There's know, TV in prison. Uh, you know, my. Uh, <laughs> I got cable in most places. I got a boyfriend who says, "Geez, do I? Do you really have to write? It's Sunday." And I say, yeah, you know what, I do. And 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 he's respectful of that. And, and it's very important f- for me in my relationships to have somebody who understands that need. And it's a need in me. It's, a, it's, a, it's an appetite in me. Right. And Having he'd probably so- be miserable if he dragged you away from it because then you'd be miserable and you'd make him miserable. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Oh, see, sorry, I know the you, gay relationship. How old you write every day? We have one. Uh... <laughs> It's it's it's, okay. it's a hands off gay uh, relationship uh, we have, but uh, it's a yeah. How how often or how long do I write? Uh. Um, probably eight nine hours every day. Every day, oh. seven days a week. Seven days a week. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, um, it's I I do love it, and I and is, I, is it, and is I'm it aware that I am blessed to be able to? I mean, is it like Mozart, Mozart, where the stuff just comes out of you, or do you have to sit there and well, struggle with it? Well, I wasn't doing it at six. But, uh, but you know what I mean? Hey, sure, he, his music sure, just would come I, out I, of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it. I don't get I don't get touched something wooden. I don't get blocked. I don't. You know, I can well, obviously. I mean, how many? How many? Uh, I don't know if you're going to be able to calculate this, but go ahead and round out up. How many pages do you think you've written in the last uh, you know ten years? Ooh, there's a good one. I mean, I uh, this is the twentieth book, and you know the average book is what five hundred, four hundred, five hundred pages. So, so is that like nine thousand? Uh, I don't know. Pages, yeah. a lot of pages. Yeah. Is that I mean, what that's, that is? that's you know, but that's I handwrite everything. And so. oh, you do. Yeah. And then somebody, um, yes, pay a, an Asian woman does. Uh, no, no, no. A wonderful guy called Don does you know types all oh, stuff up for oh, that would be <laughs> that would be the worst job in the world for me hey 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 this is deathless prose he's very very happy oh i'm sure he says he is uh, oh. ed- edward uh, 30 hi hey hey guy i got the radio off great oh <laughs> sorry <laughs> we'll talk to edward in like an hour that's right all right big uh, penalty sorry okay i've got a girlfriend and she uh um is afraid to go home and her parents won't let her have any of her clothes or her contacts. And what do you mean she's afraid to go home? Huh? What do you mean she's afraid to go home? Oh, because she knows she's in trouble. With what? For what? Well, because she came over and got caught. Well, she, you know, she was gone for a couple of days, and her parents found out that she wasn't at her friend. Well, wait a minute, you're thirty. Yeah. 
How old is she? Fifteen. Oh, for... go ahead, Drew. Say it. Use the Lord's name in vain. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and, now, where, wait, where did you guys meet? Huh? Where do you meet a 15-year-old? It was at a mall. At a mall? Yeah. All right, that makes sense. Uh, were you the guy out front of the uh, Schaefer and Sons place uh, playing the uh, organ? Guitar. You're pulling my leg. Where'd you meet? How'd you meet her at the mall? I was just there hanging out. She had some time. And you just picked up on her? Well, it was kind of mutual. And when did you find out she was 15? It was right away. Oh, really? Well, like the the next time I talked to her. And you didn't see anything wrong with that? Uh, yeah, of course I did. What's the quality of the relationship now? Um, it's, well, very good. We hardly ever fight. Is this like a boyfriend-girlfriend thing? Yeah. How long has it been going on? Uh, what, uh, eight months? So you, you, it's a sexual relationship? Uh, it developed into that, yeah. Oh, yes. Uh, that was on the second well, date, actually. she can't go home, and I'm not going to throw her out on the street. And, uh, you know, but... Well, she so can go I, home. She's she just going to... Edward, this is, how, this is how most people that do what you do think, yeah. is that you're going to save them and fix them, and you're good for them. These are young people who are being abused at home who seek out other people who continue to abuse them in some fashion. You're not helping her. Well, a 30-year-old, 50-year-old is not helping a 15-year-old. Can you, do you have, like, a number that she can call? Sure. You do? Well, is she being abused at home, Edward? Uh, I, I doubt it. I doubt she ever was. She's never been struck? No. Well, well yeah, actually, by her stepdad. Okay, that would be physical abuse. Um, now, kids that leave home and don't go back are being abused at home, almost by definition. And let me tell you, when your step-parents are hitting you, uh, there's something even more going on there. I, I guarantee it. Because step-parents are either in or they're out. They're either uh, nice, warm, and loving, or just maniacal uh, 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 molesters. Here's a Child Help USA, which is a 24-hour <laughs> hotline for runaways. It's 1-800-422-4453. 1-800-422-4453. Edward, uh, what do you do for a living? Musician. Really? How's that going? Uh, it pays the bills. Really? Yeah. Why? Where do you where do you play? Playing uh, a band? No, like uh, studio gigs. Uh huh. And I sit in other places. I get gigs around Seattle. Yeah, don't you? Aren't you sort of humiliated going around with a fifteen year old? No, she's very mature acting and looking. Right, but still, your friends must know. Uh, no, she lies. So it tells people she's 16 and a half? 19. Oh, okay. Uh, and the problem is, is she uh, lost a retainer at your place and can't go home? <laughs> All right, listen, Edward. Well, she calls and talks to Edward, let, yeah, parents. let me, let me do, do not r rationalize your verminism. Yeah, you are a human excrement. Yeah. Well, I, I knew you would chew me out, so go for it. All right, uh, well, you know you've done wrong. And uh, she has to go home and sort of take her medicine, and you have to let her leave and give yourself your own medicine because you're 30 and there's no one's going to give it to you. But you understand this is a uh, bizarre, out of line, and uh, not, it, not only is it not doing her any favors, you're not doing yourself a favor here. This is one of the way uh, pe either. pedophiles think, too, is that, they, oh, they're helping them. They're going to make them better and enrich them and save, save them and, uh, and cherish them. Oh, yes. Yeah, so I'll read them all the yeah. classics. And, and therefore, and, and, and well, do that as I'll fall in love with them and I'll have sex with them And when they're 12. Right. And uh, please. All right. Please. Uh, Edward, you're 30, Edward. What? You're, you're 30. Yeah, send her home. Okay. All right. All right. And, and if it's an abusive home, uh, call that number. Uh, yeah, call the number in any event. All right. 
Uh, all Department of Social Services locally, too. Drew, is there an opera about this you could sing about? No. Okay. Uh, here's, here's just a, an abstract question. Uh, I know you have to take a position because of the fact that you're an authority figure on a program like this. No, no, I, I don't. The, 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 let me just, I, I don't right. mean to stop you there, but, right. but I take positions based on my experience. All right, but let me, let me then ask the question. Do you ever think a, the, a relationship between a 15-year-old and a 30-year-old can ever be constructive and good? Yeah, I, there is absolutely nothing in human biology <clears throat> or human behavior that you can say always or never about. Okay. Nothing. Okay. But, so but, you would you would grant that there could be... There could uh, be. Yeah. But but in my experience, you know, mm, Avogadro's right. number of times... No, I'm just asking just, whether, yeah. you, you know, you know whether the Lolita thing, if you like, or whatever, is yeah. ever a time... Is, is ever... I can't say never or ever. Because there is a there is a, a, a long and actually honorable Greek tradition of a Socratic tradition of, of an older man and a younger boy or a younger girl where the very things that you were just talking about were valued. And um, I know we live in a culture which finds that... Well, this sort thing. of mentor thing. Right. Right. Uh, and I, I just want to... I just want to offer up the possibility that if it was true once, maybe under certain very specific circumstances, uh, it can still be true. You got your eye on a young guy, uh, Clive, or no? Okay, just just want to know if you're working it's an angle. Good, it's, no, no, it's, no, it's, it's, it's an good, interesting good yes, it is in an interesting question you pose because it is something that historically has gone on for uh, millions of years, and. Only recently, in terms of the Earth's calendar, are we really frowning on it? Well, and I mean, like in the last, you know, seventy-five years, hundred no, years. Wait, 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 if wait, you wait, think wait, about wait, it. Wait, 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 wait. All right. Well, hold on. We got to go to break. You're confusing a, f a few issues here. Right, one well, one well, is Drew. We got to go to break. Right. I'm going to let you gather yourself because right. you do need some collecting. I do. Not I, I, I can't tell. <laughs> you, uh, you're like a, you're like a sack of leaves that have been tossed about the studio. You need uh, you need a gardener to come in here and put you in a bundle. A scarecrow in the Wizard of Oz. <laughs> yes, uh, I will uh, light you on fire and then dump water on Clive after this. Fantasy football's back, and DraftKings.com isn't messing around. DraftKings.com is America's favorite one-week fantasy football site where you could win enormous cash prizes every week. You've already. Research the players for your season-long fantasy team. Turn that knowledge into instant cash at DraftKings.com. Last year, one player turned 11 bucks into 4000 Boom! That's one weekend, biatch. Another won 100 grand his first time ever playing. And another player won a million bucks in one day. Just playing fantasy football, something you want to do anyway. Keep your season-long league where it is. But also, play one-week fantasy at DraftKings.com to win huge cash this weekend. Hey! You gotta hurry too. Get free entry into the Millionaire Maker event where first place takes home one million bucks. Head over to DraftKings.com now. Enter the promo code PODCAST to play free to become a millionaire. DraftKings.com. Bigger events, bigger winnings, bigger millionaires. Enter PODCAST for free entry now at DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com. DraftKings.com! Uh, hello. We're here with uh, Clive Barker, the uh, author, the uh, movie maker, the uh, the painter, mm. the lover of young boys, no, uh, the no, lover no, of fine no, wine. No, 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 I just thought I'd slip that in there. Uh, lover of art, uh, a true Renaissance man with a classical education. And then there's me, and then there's Drew, who's uh, really Clive without the accent, and. Uh, <laughs> and without the ability to write. <laughs> and, and the money uh, and the lifestyle. 
but uh, and and really, you have. Uh, I'll tell you, I, I I know you're in a relationship uh, yeah. right now. You've had a boyfriend for a while. Uh, I'm not gay currently, but I'm but thinking you're open to opportunity. Uh, I'm thinking of making the move. Yeah, uh, you know, if the right thing comes along, it's he, sort of, he means you, Clive. Yeah, help out when we're busy. I'm saying this like heterosexuality is like a job that I like right now. But but if some other company came courting and uh, the money was right, I, I would jump ship. You, you know what I'm saying? And except Clive, for, except for the is, sex with guys part. This is a yeah, Clive yeah, could yeah. provide, I, but I'd get you dudes. I'd get him right <laughs> off the air. <laughs> but Clive could provide me with the kind of on the <laughs> it could provide me the kind of lifestyle that I think I, I so richly deserve. All right, no, wait. I'm not the sugar daddy type. I'm sorry, but thank you for the offer. All right, I, wait, wait, wait. We have to go to a ten second break here, but I'm going to explain to you why it would be uh, uh, why would why I'm the best bitch. Do uh, I get uh, diagrams? Yes, oh, you, right. get, you get photos uh, <laughs> signed by the uh, photographer in ten seconds. This is Love All right, so uh, we're discussing the uh, Clive Barker uh, empire. Uh, started off in England uh, in a uh, sort of middle class. Were you upper middle class? Working class. I mean, my dad worked on the docks. And oh, really? Mm-hmm. Okay, so Irish he, Italian, you know. So he works. Uh, he drank and he worked. Uh, he didn't drink, but he worked. Yeah, very hard. Okay, very hard. All right, so he worked and he uh, he did heroin <laughs> and he worked. You know, the mythology is growing apace here. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, yeah. I will uh, take uh, no, over my, as your publicist no, once I move yeah, into yeah, the right. compound. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kate, I want, I want we'll have separate bedrooms. Uh, just thing? to sort of I want to hear why he's, I, I need some help here. Uh. When this? Uh, when did this big change? Because I mean, he looks great in the dress. Let me tell everybody, he looks wonderful, doesn't he? I mean, it's sheer. It's hard for me to look at it. Yeah, really. I mean, it's, it's glamorous. I put on uh, my know. flirty handful of chiffon <laughs> because I knew you were coming. Jeez, it doesn't really work, but whatever. I should have shaved myself. Yeah, uh, you really should. The, the point is, is I'm less excited about Jennifer Grey. I think. Uh, well, I am listening. I'm really attracted to the gay lifestyle here. There's Pretty no powerful. kids. What, what, how, how do you characterize the, the gay lifestyle here? What, <coughs> what, is, what is the, the Sheer lifestyle? genius is how I characterize okay. it. Um, no responsibility off, is what you're going to say. You don't right? have kids. Okay. Uh, a gay couple travels uh, uh, quite a bit. They can go on tons of vacations because they don't have the kids uh, holding them back. Plus, there's not that big argument, that big gender argument. Uh, you know what I mean? Hey, Women like I, a certain I, thing, I, guys I, like another I thing. Have, I have two dogs who are... as loyal and sweet and wonderful and I would not leave them alone anywhere. My my boyfriend has a dog and he he's at the dog 14 years and he wouldn't ever leave the All dog. Right. So we're kind of... But Drew's got three kids and you can't just leave a bowl of, uh, <laughs> of kibble just out for leave them. Leave, the, leave kibble for the kids? You can't do that? <laughs> you can't. can't you tell the maid, uh, hey, make sure and crap the kids uh, every <laughs> once in a while. The carpet's new. <laughs> I'm just saying, uh, you don't have the kids uh, mm-hmm. holding you down. Uh, you have a beautiful compound. You have your work. You work uh, at your home. Uh, you don't have the whole um, uh, divorce thing hanging over your head. There's not that whole oh, marriage thing. Or, or, don't or, you bet on it. Is, is there the ma- the marriage pressure? I think you know there's I mean? all... I think yeah, but you don't the, have the marriage the rib- pressure. No, 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 you know what I'm saying? You know, if you're living with a woman right now, hold right, on, Clark. Right, right. That marriage thing would constantly come up. It really would. Like when are you gonna? Yeah, when are we gonna get married? Right, right, right. Where we have the house, I we have the job, a, and we're living together. A different set of pressures, and I don't think we should be play light with that. I think you know, 
you know, we, t- we, we, we live in a fairly liberal city. Uh, most people out there do not live in liberal societies and liberal cultures and small town America is still deeply homophobic uh, we can make light of this and maybe we should be but I, but but if, if you're if you're making a genuine point about how how fun it is to be gay I would be say I am extremely happy to be a gay man and extremely proud to be a gay man I would say that my life by comparison with most gay men out there is very easy my I, you know, because I work for myself, I don't have pressure at work to conform. I don't have to pretend I'm something I'm not. I can come on a, you know, a show like this and talk about, you know, my boyfriend or whatever, and 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 that's fine. There, there a lot of people. Uh, a lot and you're of not in an industry that's going to necessarily right. come after you, no, like if right. you're a steel worker though, or something. Though, you know, uh, even in the even in the movie making industry, actors there's still a huge amount of pressure on actors not to come out, right? Uh, just because you know it's seen to be bad for their professions and so on. So I, I don't think you you know I, I would be the first to say if you're if 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 your instincts tell you that you're gay, then go with the flow because it's it's wonderful to be who you are but in certain parts of this country still and this is still a more liberal country than most of the rest of the world right uh it is still very hard to be who you are all right all i'm saying is is i'm I'm not gay but if i do make the change (laughs) i want to make sure i have something lined up i don't want to get caught up with some crack addict and uh, live in a uh, refrigerator box downtown you You see what i'm saying you know you've got a wonderful profile but you're not my boy (laughs) (laughs) all right is it okay to be in love what that was dr drew all right and your mic all right but i'm telling you i would win you over with my uh with With my my puckish satire (laughs) And my my avant-garde commentary on life. Oh, believe me, you'd be one right off. Okay. I know know what a man Okay. Robert. I can't believe we're having this conversation. (laughs) And I'll tell you, I could fix stuff. I could fix a car, mend a fence. I'd put a ring on. You could be great in bed and you'd put a room on. Don't tell me that boyfriend of yours has any kind of carpentry (laughs) skills. I know he doesn't. I love schlong. All right. Thank you, Mike. Uh, Robert, 25. Uh, yeah, hello guys. Hey, hey. what's up? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of nervous here because I'm a gay male myself, and I always find myself attracted to straight men, and that's the only type that turns me on. And it's like right now, there's like there's this guy at work that I'm attracted to, and I don't know if I should tell him. This is the equivalent to the woman who's only attracted to the married guy. You, uh, you know what I'm saying? I mean, the, the, the yeah, with but with an extra twist, if I may just go certainly, on yeah, uh, which is that the you know the the well, the, 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 I know that I am. Oh, he, but how would he feel? Do you think if you were to say, "Listen, I I I think you're very attractive." I mean, would he be offended? Would he be? Do you have any sense? Can you read him at well, all? Well, like. I can tell him like certain comments about himself mm. and he kind of gets like embarrassed. He doesn't get offended, but he gets embarrassed, but I don't I don't know if I should really, you know, go all the way and just Can I can I say uh uh could could we just go to the issue of why 
straight men are attractive to you well, uh, anyway? I mean, is it because you think they're more masculine? Is it because they... Well, well it's the fact... Well, I'm attracted to masculine type. I should say it like that. And I, I don't want to stare stereotype gays because you, you really can't tell right gay or not right and i'm a straight type considered straight type i'm a masculine i'm a normal guy but you're also gay so that means that the, it, there must be plenty of other gay men who are perfectly masculine out there i mean adam's one of them all right or soon to be uh, there you go uh, about 45 uh, minutes but, but the, i don't see gay as a choice i'm sorry a lot of people right think that i think that would be exactly right but what I uh, what I guess I'm saying is that if you if you if you characterize yourself as almost your type, uh, why why do you need to seek out straight men? They, explain because, explain that to me. Okay, because that's what I'm physically and sexually attracted to. Feminine type. If I wanted some, yeah, but, but you're wait, characterizing. Wait, 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 you're, let oh, me hold on. Let me uh, please, Clyde. Oh no, no, no I don't no. tell you how to type. Now, stand back for a second. Yeah, but I don't tell you. No, okay. I'm not, not going to go there. No, no, okay. okay. It's all yours. All right. Uh, you put your mouth around the microphone first. <laughs> oh, you're flattering yourself. All right. Uh, here's, here's the deal. Uh, yes, there are masculine gay men. I think I've proven that tonight. Robert's one of them. Robert is right. one of them. Uh, Clive, uh, your boyfriend, I, I would venture to say, is a uh, masculine uh, uh, and what about gay me? man. Uh, uh, yeah, I give you like a four. And no, no, you're fa you're very masculine. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> All right. I, I'm gonna have you to don't know. Clive does sorry. not swish around the room. He can uh, kick ass and take names. The if only he needs one. To. The only one in the, this room with the dress on is Adam. Let me tell you. <laughs> That's right. Uh, now, now listen, uh, Robert. The situation with you is you're attracted to guys you can't have because it's a little dangerous it's a little scary and i'm going back to the woman who's attracted to guys who are only married whenever we talk to those women we say uh, you're scared of commitment you're scared of the relationship so you automatically go after people that are inaccessible that you really can't have a relationship because uh, obviously you can't have a relationship with a straight guy if it's if you're gay unless you try and make uh, a convert well, of them which Right, which is you're like you're trying with me right now. Right, I understand. <laughs> but I'm saying, though, I've, I've never been... All the people that I know that is gay, that consider themselves gay, uh, I have not been attracted to them, but they like me. But maybe you're, keeping, maybe you're keeping the wrong company, because as Dr. Drew just said, you know, here you are, a masculine gay man. There are plenty of other masculine gay men in this town. And if that's your type, and it is a type... See, well, I'm just going with what my gut feelings are. I can't just say. Let me. Let me. I'm going to go way out on a limb. Way out here. All right. Should we get money out? <laughs> um, just to instant. All right. Go ahead. Did, did your mom die when you were really young? No, she's still alive. She's still around. What, what's the, the relationship like you have with her? With my mother? Yeah. Uh, it's pretty good. Did she uh, ever tell you that there's a man who's going to cut your penis off about, if you went about, to a public urinal? How about with your dad? My dad, uh, we we don't like. We're not as close as we should be. I mean, he's never. He's that, never some, somehow, I'm picking up that that you're you're there's sort of an incomplete developmental issue here for for Robert that he didn't he isn't quite really all the way one way or another, and it's as though he wants to have that male heterosexual part and bring it into himself. And that's why he's attracted to that. Well, can I? Interesting. Can I? Let, let me yeah. chime in here. I, I think that would be 
I think that would be quite a useful homosexual model, full stop. I don't think that's anything particularly about a trouble. Mm, no, I mean, no, no, I'm not saying trouble, and, and nor am I saying that that's, uh, I think male, that, that to want a male presence is different than to want to be and consume the heterosexual. You see what I'm saying? Right, but I think there's a line here, which, I mean, I think there's a definition issue here, which uh, I, 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 I'm tempted to say Robert just hasn't met the right man yet. Could be. I mean, Absolutely you know, could be. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I was, that's why I was saying I'm going way out on a limb with this. The, 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 I, I'm, being, I'm being optimistic here, Robert, and saying, you know, there are a lot of, I think gay men come in every shape and size and attribute and, and, and you know, um, every every uh, uh, the point on the, the scale between extreme masculinity and extreme femininity. Uh, the, you know, I've, in my time as an as a out gay male, which is, you know, is like almost 20 years, I've met just about every kind of, 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 of guy. And Rip Taylor, uh, Rock Hudson. Uh, and everything in between. Paul Lynn, Brock Hudson, everything in between. Right. No, absolutely. No, There's come on. Rip is uh, more <laughs> feminine than Paul was. So, but, but what I'm saying, I guess, Robert, is that there are lots of, of, of gay men who I believe would absolutely match your definition of masculinity, probably including yourself, um, who... Uh, who are looking for relationships, and I think it's important. All right, we, uh, we uh, have to move on to the call but, here. But, but I suspect, though, he would not go for it because the person's not heterosexual. Right. It's not the masculinity, it's the heterosexual issue that he's wanting to have. At, at, at the moment. Yeah, But I moment. think that's a movable issue. Correct, I agree. Right, but, uh, all right. Yeah, here's what we've learned on this show. Do not dwell on what they tell you. Uh, <laughs> dig beneath that and get to the r real thing. So we will do that. Sometimes okay. uh, we're incorrect when we do that, okay. but we always go right past the first thing they say. And when I, whenever someone says, and whatever, gay, heterosexual, whatever you are, uh, I want this and I always go after this, but I never can get that. It's it, it. I always it's never about that. It's not usually about that. It's usually about the fact uh, when you're going after people you can't have relationships with. It means you you don't want a relationship. Right. Not that you're only attracted to those people. What's right. your problem, Trevor? Nineteen. Hi, Drew. Hi, Adam. Hi, Clive. <laughs> hey. Uh, hey, Clive. Hey. Sorry. Hey, is your what's your uh, full name? Is it uh, uh, Clive Bach? I don't have a middle name. It's, a, it's not uh, uh, Clive Adrill or something. No, 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 no. Clive. Okay. Uh, um, I don't, uh, Clive sorry. sounds like it's short for something. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, oh, Trevor. Thanks. Um, yes, I've been reading your books ever since I was uh, 12, and uh, I was really interested in a magica. Mm-hmm. And um, it just the mass size of it. I mean. Not like the length of it, but just the depth of all the five worlds that goes into it. Right, stuff. right, right. I mean, it, how did you write something like that? Uh, over a very long period. Uh, I uh, that was that was, I guess, twenty months. I suppose it took me. Uh, uh, that's the most elaborate construction of five inter interconnected worlds, and mm -hmm. you know, it's. A, it's 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 hero is the half brother of Jesus Christ. It's 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 a big metaphysical novel, and you know one of the things that I feel passionate about uh, is writing stuff that uh, contains stuff I want to say. And then that sounds like an obvious thing to say, but a lot of fiction, you know, what we might call airport fiction, the the book that you leave on the plane even if you didn't finish it, right? Uh, doesn't 
really have a lot to tell you. It doesn't have a lot to say. I want to communicate things to people. I, I have passions I want to communicate, and A Magica was written out of a, a passion to, to write about God. Do you, do you ever think about writing uh, nonfiction? No. I, no, truly not. Um, I get very self-conscious uh, when I'm writing s something even about myself when I do an introduction to something. Right. Uh, I, but what if you just pick the topic or a historical figure or an event well, that I do, interested you? Well, know, I do. Jefferson, both Thomas Jefferson and Walt Whitman appear in the new novel. So as they have walk-ons, you know. Uh, but um, do you research them? Or do you oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, absolutely. And and uh, I was in North Carolina recently because the the part of the book is also set in the Civil War. So I went to Johnson County to Bentonville, which is where the last great battle of the Civil War took place, and spent a lot of time there. And so I love doing that sort of research. But do you, do you take researchers with you? Do you have other people helping no, you? You do it all yourself. It's oh my me, it's me, it's me. I mean, I you know uh, I have people who will, you know, yeah, help me sure. go to a, a library, get a book or whatever. But at the end of the day, you really have to, you have to soak that stuff up. And, you know, where, where the Civil War is concerned, I'm, I, we weren't really taught the Civil War, the American Civil it. War in England. So how does, that, on here? How, how does that look to you as a, as a foreigner, so to speak? Uh, I mean, well, it looks like, uh, it looks like a whole, I, it looks very different, I'm sure. To the way that it looks to you. Well, so the way it was taught. Well, uh, let me. Yeah, let me, how was it taught? Well, to you I'll, I'll put it in perspective for okay. you. Uh, you. You have the the uh, drunken hooligans who get into fights after the soccer games, right. like uh, when right. uh, Liverpool takes on Hounslow or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that, but huge. <laughs> There you go. And they had muskets and stuff. Uh, but it was the same country going at it. The, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, well, <laughs> it, it, what am it, I going to do with that information now? To, to some extent, it, it, it's taught a little bit as a good-evil battle, right. this kind of thing, which is just not the case. And, yeah. and the more I've researched and the more I've read, I mean, one of the things that happens when I research is that uh, I find I want to push the novel in directions that are actually inappropriate for the novel so that for instance jefferson is a character who fascinates me i mean right. this this guy but possibly what it want some point in your career you may evolve to the point where you may write a book on jefferson that's non if, I, if it was to do a non-fiction book it would be much more likely to be about something that was contemporary it would be much more likely to be something an issue that was right in the middle of our lives right now because i do have strong feelings i mean in the you, you, could, you know. you, could you work me in? I don't mean. I don't have to work into the movie. Not I don't the have to be the central character. Uh, but as the the uh, you young on. upstart uh, DJ young who's struggling with his sexuality. Uh, something like that, with the I nappy hair. Uh, I don't really think you're struggling with your sexuality. I, I'm not. But, but, but please, could you work me in just in a small way? Please. That's you're very inappropriate, you. isn't it? This I know, but uh, who said I, I mean, was appropriate? Yeah, right, yeah. Uh, just name a guy after me in the damn book. <laughs> no one cares about that anyway. <laughs> Greg, 25. Hi, guys. How you doing? Good. Hey. Excellent. Uh, Drew, Dr. Drew and Adam, hey, I watch you guys on TV. I think you guys are you guys rock. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Uh, Clive, yes, you know sir. What? I love your work. Thank you. Uh, Hellraiser Bloodline, it was it was just fantastic. I loved it. Thank you. Keep up the good work. I will. I will. Lots of uh, lots of stuff actually for TV in the works right now. So I'm kind of interested to see how the really strong stuff gets onto the TV screens. I'm guessing it won't. Well, you know that's an issue. Oh yes. Yeah. Well, we have those issues here on Loveline. Uh, Greg, did you have a question? Yes, I did. Um, 
the question I have is, you know, it actually pertains to uh, one of my family members. It actually pertains to my mother. Okay, I'm quite sure you have the whole Oedipal thing going through your mind, but it has nothing to do with that, you know, rest assured. Um, due to the nature of my job, I don't come home very often, and usually when I'm home, you know, to visit my folks, whenever, you know, I go out with my parents, you know, my mom, she always, like, tries to get me hooked up with all these different girls that either she knows or she'll just see on the street. Your mom Jewish? No. Uh-oh. No, then you got a problem. Yeah, exactly. She probably has a tumor or something. <laughs> it's the shape of a dreidel in her head. All right, Greg. I'll explain to you about uh, Jewish uh, women later. These are just women she just sees on the street, Greg? This is just yes. Like... Well, I mean, I mean, you know, they're, they're attractive. They're very gorgeous. But it's like... Um... Is it uncomfortable? Uh, yeah, because not only is it putting me on the spot, but it's also putting the girl on the spot, too. Wait, right. she then goes up to the girl and says, you should meet my, my son here? Oh, not even that. She'll, you know, if we're, like, at a checkout counter, like, at a grocery store or whatever, and she'll be like, oh, so what do you think of my son? Isn't he handsome? And, you know. Uh, and does she, like, look at you and go, slap you and go, come on, stand up straight, Greg, and spit out that gum. And then she, uh, then she wets yeah, her yeah, thumb. Yeah, handkerchief. And, uh, yeah, wipes, uh, wipes. You have some egg noodle on your cheek. No, nothing like that. Are you, are you an only child? No. Um, no, actually, I have a younger sister. And where's your dad? Uh, my dad, well, he's, he's here, too, with us, you know. Could you maybe just ask her to stop? What's that? Could you maybe just ask her to stop? I mean, oh, yeah, I've done that too. And what does she yeah, say she when listen. you say, Mom, stop? Yeah, she doesn't listen. See, the thing is, okay, my sister, she's 23 years old, you know, and she's going to be getting married here very soon. And, you know, actually since, you know, the younger sibling of the two is getting married before the older one, you know, it kind of sort of puts a little bit of worry uh. All right, uh, li listen, uh, we have to go to break, Greg. Okay. Uh, the, the deal is, is uh, it's up to all adults to handle their parents. Uh, when, when we're talking to a 14-year-old, we say, look, here's an 800 number, uh, here's a uh, talk to a counselor. When you're 25, uh, you need to be able to handle your folks. And you need to be able to step up to the plate and tell her no uncertain terms that it's uh, inappropriate. And then uh, if she does not respond to that, you just stop going out with her. And that's the way she learns her lesson. She calls and says, uh, I want to show you off to the girls at the bridge club. And you say, uh, no, I'm just not going. No. You, you, make a, you make an ass out of me, Mom. Probably those I wish life. my mom would have pimped yeah, me out a little probably bit. Probably Greg's though. whole life is about uh, propping up his mom and keeping her happy and pieced together. And uh, it's hard to break a lifetime pattern like that, but that's what he has to do. All right, sell the hell out of the next call for we got a break. John, he does not want to kill himself, so why is he thinking about killing himself? Huh. Prosper.com. What if I told you in 72 hours you could have $35,000? What would you do? Pay off some credit cards, start a business, do a little home improvement? I might do a little of each. Prosper.com. Peer-to-peer lending, connecting borrowers like you with investors, no outrageous fees, no raising interest rates, and you'll never set foot in a bank. Just go to Prosper.com slash Adam. Check your rate instantly without affecting your credit score. That's right. You don't affect anything. Just check your rate. Do it instantly. What could it hoit? And for a limited time... Prosper's offering my listeners a $50 Visa prepaid gift card when you get a loan. So go to prosper.com slash Adam. Other restrictions apply. See site for details. Gift card is issued by Center State Bank of Florida, pursuant to license from Visa USA, Inc. All personal loans are made by WebBank, a Utah-chartered industrial bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. Draft King. Is it okay to be in love to a guy twice my age? 
All right, uh, Drew, hold on. The mics are hot. Uh, uh, Loveline, uh, we're back. Uh, phone number, 1-800. Uh, sometimes the conversations spill over, uh, especially on uh, nights uh, like tonight when uh, the great Clive Barker is with us. And uh, he- here's the beauty of uh, this show, Loveline. Uh, you, you get to you get to meet and hang out with uh, really interesting people. That is true. And uh, you know, I don't read. Uh, I, last uh, I saw Hellraiser uh, three with my uh, Catholic little brother about uh, six years ago. Uh, so I really don't have any connection to Clive. I like Clive Barker because I like Clive Barker. Right. It's not even uh, the Clive Barker, the uh, author, uh, the painter, the uh, uh, whatever else is you do. Uh, I, I, masturbator. Uh, the masturbator. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a Clive Barker, the human, the uh, human being who uh, who I enjoy. And uh, that is not just uh, lip service. I was uh, impressed uh, by your last uh, appearance here, and I have always uh, um, uh, argued to have Clive back, Uh, much to everyone's dismay. All right. (laughs) Dr. Drew is here, who I do tolerate on a nightly basis. Uh, I'm Adam Carolla, and uh, we are going back to the phones. And I've never seen Drew uh, quite so animated. He usually sits here uh, with a puss on, like a cigar store, uh, a scarf, uh, a store Indian, and just stares at the ceiling, or uh, you know, does a little thing with his pager. You know, where he'll pick up the pager and stare at it for about twenty minutes during the commercials. Anything to avoid eye contact with the band members in here. But oh, Clive, to tear these two apart with a flat bar just to go back to the show, John. Um, hello, gentlemen. Hello. Adam, Drew, Clive. Hi. Adam, long-time listener, first-time caller. Thank you. Um, I have a bit of a problem. Um, it started about a month ago. I started having some really vivid, um, both dreams and um, daydreams about killing myself. Hmm. Um, I don't have any particular desire to kill myself. It's just more of a... So violent fantasies of self-destruction. Yeah. And um, they've been... They're quite vivid in that they're... they're um, Really bothering. Are there any feelings attached to that? Excuse me. Are there any feelings that that sort of provoke that? No, it's um, I'll be sitting in class or whatever, and it'll just kind of. And there's no, you're not aware of any feeling that it, that that's coming up as you get these these uh, images. Not really. No. Have you been depressed lately? No, I have not. Uh, are they specific? I mean, in terms of uh, I've killed myself through this method or that yeah, method. Yeah, I'm usually either um, cutting my wrist or cutting my throat. Let me give you two. Um, sort of biological circumstances where these things can occur and see if this fits for you at all. Mm-hmm. Um, Prozac sometimes will do this to people. You want any medication? No, I'm not. Uh, stopping smoking marijuana can sometimes do this. I haven't smoked marijuana since I was 13. Aha! Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. no, it's usually the okay. first six months of stopping. Uh-huh. And you have to smoke for a while before that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, otherwise you have, to, you have to sort of assume it has some psychological meaning. Uh, uh, Howie Mandel concert will do this uh, every once in a while. Uh, John, uh, have you seen Howie lately? No, I haven't. Oh, all right. Well, that's uh, I'm fresh out of ideas. But, but there's no feeling, no affect attached to it. No, really. It's almost a sort of de- de- um, detachment kind of thing. Yeah, but uh, wait a minute. I just want to. Yeah, you ever uh, you ever want to climb inside of someone else's head just to figure out whether you're nuts? I mean, Clive, you know you're nuts, but true. <laughs> uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, do you, no, do you, not your head. All right, but I mean, do you ever drive along the freeway uh, on a on a on a you know uh, late at night and just have thoughts of uh, just uh, death and you know destruction well, and the, you, you know the mortality? Thing about standing on a cliff edge and sort of the little thing that makes you want to jump off. I mean, we we all of us play 
little we have a death instinct. Theor theoretical scenarios out in our heads, right? There's a death instinct. Supposedly. Right. So and Freud identifies it, yeah. actually names it, right. and he he says that it you know it it's there standing side by side and maybe opposed the love instinct to the, to the eros instinct as being something which is in our natures. Mm -hmm. I mean, the issue I would say is, you know, firstly, are you completely in control of these? Of these images, or are they really, are they really totally spontaneous, or there's, is there some pattern, is there some situation that he's just not that you just can't see yet? Uh, I can't, I haven't identified um, any sort of constant thing that happens. Okay, are there any, time. are there any issues you're dealing with right now that might be troubling you? Mm, no, not really. That's kind of what's bothering me about it. Is is if I was going through something, then I would kind of understand why it was happening. What are you? What, Oh. Real quick, what have your relationships been like lately? Um, I got out of a, a long-term relationship about eight months ago, but I've had um, relationships after that, nothing serious. What happened with an eight-month relationship? Oh, it just, it kind of ended. Um, Sizzled? Sort of, yeah. Are you gay or straight? Straight. Are you bored? Uh-oh. Are, <laughs> sure. Are you bored? Oh. I mean, uh, you know, oh. you're sitting in class. You talk about sitting in class? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that the, the kind of the, the weird thoughts come to me when my mind's kind of idling. Oh, sure. When it's just playing, it doesn't... You well, know, it actually does tend to happen when I'm just... But, but it's very often a defense against something, and that's kind of what right. I was probing into. John? Yeah. Yes? Uh, do you ever think about men? No. No. Not in that way. All right. I'm getting a little uh, uh, gay vibe mm -mm. off you. Uh, resisted. He's talking about himself constantly. <laughs> projecting. Are, you, are you getting <laughs> exactly. any, Clive? Are you getting any uh, gay uh, vibe uh, off you? Absolutely. No. 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 What? Please. Off of John. <laughs> no. I mean, I don't know how you can. I don't know what that means. A gay vibe. I. You I know. Mean, I. If Tennessee Williams was here, maybe we'd get a gay vibe. But no. <laughs> John. No. He's telling us he's had a girlfriend. All right. Hey, listen. Uh, you do not have Show to defend uh, all all the gay men in America. I'm just uh, asking you the question. Oh, I. Let me. <laughs> <laughs> I my uh, spidey sense was tingling, as we say here in uh, stateside. I was picking up a little something off of John and Drew. Uh, be honest, you were picking up a little something uh, as well. I thought we would uh, ask well, uh, Clive if he picked guys up anything. Are, and the gay guys That's right, and, and, and indeed we could easily be misinterpreting what we're feeling. Uh, after the next break, but, I'm going to talk about the black plight. Uh, by the way, uh, now you know I, I'm, I can. We have 30 seconds. I, yes. I'm fascinated by what you guys just said. I do not know what you're talking about when a guy it, comes on the radio and talks to you about his girlfriend and being bored and all that kind of thing. And you guys are sitting there with. Like, it's interesting. We you both know, independently. Around you. Nothing to do with the information. Uh, first, okay. it's, it's, it's a feeling. It's a feeling. It's a feeling. Yeah. Pure feeling. It's yeah. uh, zero and, and to we, do and with. We both uh, had it, and we didn't. Oh. I didn't we didn't discuss. It, but he brought now, it up how and often had when it. you had that conversation you know you've done this many times yeah. now would you have said that and the guy said well you know what it's true I not, uh, not that uncommon. let me defend you for a second yeah. or defend me I can tell you that when Drew gets a feeling and uh, it's not about uh, sexual proclivity per se but it could be about uh, abuse from the right. parents uh, it could be about uh, someone being uh, drug addicted or alcohol right. addicted or whatever when Drew has an inkling he's usually right because he sits here and listens to it uh, seven nights a week uh, my inklings are usually way off but when we <laughs> what, but, what, but when we get together on one uh, yeah. it's usually strong yeah. and like I said we're not experts in any one feeling we, uh, or any one um, okay. 
any 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 one category. Uh-huh. We just when we have a feeling, we go with it because uh-huh. it usually uh, pans out. And uh, I'm sure if I had another ten minutes with John, I'd I'd, I'd work it out of him. Something, like something, so, something. It, it's a defense of or an expression of something right, that's, I just that's coming why, out, coming well, up. I, uh, I get that. I just yeah. was wondering why you chose particularly an area of sexuality. I, I, just, just a feeling. Got the vibe. Just a feeling. All right. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. Uh, let's see if we can out anyone else. Drew, come on. <laughs> Celso twenty. Hey guys, how's it going? Hey. Good. Hey, what kind of name is that, Celso? I have no idea. All right. It was my dad, they were this. They were arguing between names, and he came up with this one. <laughs> That's all I could tell you. All right, my problem is this. Uh, I met a girl about two years ago, and uh, we kind of hit it off at the time, and we lost touch. Uh, about two months ago, I saw her again. Uh, nothing really happened. And a month ago... I'm getting a real strong gay vibe here, Drew. <laughs> <I don't know>. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyways, um, about a month ago, or actually a month later... I met her again, and she found out I had a motorcycle, and she kind of asked me to hook up with her and take her for a ride. Uh-huh. I took her for a ride, kind of scared her a little bit, and I'm now I'm stuck between should I attempt to go out with her again, or should I just forget about what it all? What you scared her? It went fast? Yeah, I was about 90, 95 on the freeway. And, and how many times did she tell you to stop before you... Uh, None, her? actually. How deep did her nails sink into your back? They didn't. Oh, really? Yeah. All right, so that's not, that's not the event that she's upset about. Um, see, I've talked to a couple people, and one guy says he, he could sense that she has feelings for me, she's interested in me. Right. But well, I don't see where he sees it. All right, but do you like her? I do. I ask mean, her I'm out again. All right, there I go. Ask her out again. What are we, a, a dating service here? Ask her out. Just ask her out. We'll find out. That's right. And, uh, and by the we... way, uh, uh, it's fine if they don't want to go out. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's this thing uh, when you're uh, younger that you just live and die based on the opinions of others and uh, are they going to accept you? Yeah, are I they... don't think it's about being young. I think it's about being human. Uh, yeah, it, but it does, it does tend to wear off a little bit uh, with time, hopefully. Not for everybody. But I, I mean, just get subjugated. I think actually everybody is living constantly in fear of other people's judgments. I, I think that's the way we. You had that crazy experience on the airplane the other day where you wouldn't, the, the, the thing wasn't working, the propeller wasn't working. Yes, very, yes, yes. yes. I, was, I was ready to uh, risk death uh, so as not to be judged by uh, eight strangers who were sitting in the aisle uh, with me. Because the, the propeller wasn't going uh, bad. Drew, you... Drew and I were uh, on a. Uh, prop plane uh-huh. uh, flying from um, uh, Atlanta to a very small uh, airport in um, Panama, Panama City, uh, Florida. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's such a small airport that you can only take a prop plane. And it, but it was a large prop plane, but it's the ones you hear about crashing all the time. Right. And uh, and it was full. There's about uh, 75, 80 people on it. That's all it would hold. And we were taxiing for a very long time. And the guy fired up, there's two props, one on each uh, wing, and the guy fired up the, the props, but uh, it only fired up on one wing. And I was sitting in the seat uh, right next to the prop that wasn't fired up. And we, ta- you know, and when you're in a plane, uh, you have no idea where you are. You just seem to be taxiing forever. Right. For all you know, you could be actually on surface streets, uh, uh, waiting at stoplights and uh, God knows what else. But the point is, is we just kept taxiing, we kept taxiing, and I kept looking at this prop thinking, geez, I, wor- I wonder when this thing's yeah. going to fire up. <laughs> and then I was sort of envisioning, and then we got actually to the point where we got to the runway and we stopped. And I could hear the guy like throttling up and, you know, checking flaps and stuff like that. And we were ready to go. 
we were just ready for the tower to say, all right, uh, go. And I kept staring at this prop, and I was thinking to myself, this guy doesn't know this prop isn't fired up. And what's going to happen is, is we're just going to take off down the runway, and after we get up to, you know, 120 miles an hour, we're just going to cartwheel. Right. And it will all just burn on the ground. Right. And if I'm going to crash in a plane, at least I want the dignity of actually going down. Yes. Because I could do that in a car. Or uh, even complaining. Uh, on the way down. Right. <laughs> so the point is, is I sat there and I thought a hundred times, I should get up. I should tell the stewardess. Right. Uh, please, come here. Uh, take a look at this. This is, this is not working. This is not working. And we're, the and we're, plane is not working. Ready to go. But I thought to myself, no, I may, uh, I'll save some face and lose my life. Uh, and is that what you did? Yeah. I didn't want to. I, I, it was too un. Please, sir, you're getting certain. This is Clive Barker. Don't wait. get surreal. So what on happened? It. The point. Uh, what happened is, is uh, we started moving, and at the very last moment, uh, the guy fired up uh, the prop. Uh, I don't know if there it was some sort of gas saving technique, or I, I, I later on figured out that these engines have to be rebuilt uh, depending on how many hours they've right. been running okay. and i guess it'd be smart to have them shut down if you didn't need them running for the 25 minutes it took to could, taxi could I, could I just give you 30 seconds of the converse of that story first time i ever go on concord which is a big event for me i've never been on well, it's gonna be a you know big deal uh flying from new york to london and uh we taxi at, you know it's like it, this is the beginning of the concord service how long is new york to london on the concord three and a half hours, and hours what is it in a regular eight jet? hours oh. so it's it's really it's it's huge you know, it's huge difference so uh so uh i'm sitting beside and it's a very small plane and i'm sitting beside an enormous guy absolutely enormous who's like sort of sort of flowing into my seat <laughs> and and uh I hate to fly, and, you know, will happily chew a Valium before I fly. This guy has not chewed his Valium. He is sweating. He's bringing like, up cut oh, is what he's man, doing. it is the worst. And we, you know, but it's a big deal. You champagne and caviar and the whole deal. They're making a big deal of it. We taxi out, and we're about to take off, you know, you're, the procession of planes, you know, so that eventually, you know, you're number, we're number one for takeoff, ladies and gentlemen. He gets up out of his seat, he says, stop. <gasps> oh my. Stop. I cannot do this. Stop. Really? And I've never seen this before. And the stewardess said, no, 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 you, you, you sit down. So I cannot do this. Get me out of this. This language was extremely ripe. He was a big guy. It was a small plane. They turned around and they him off oh my and God. you know everybody's like the big event kind of fizzles you know everybody's right. champagne's gone flat <laughs> you know there's no more caviar the volume's starting to wear off exactly and but i thought what was kind of interesting was i thought good for you <laughs> you know i mean he was not, he was not about to see he was not about to do this i kind of wondered oh. what he did i mean was he swam to england i i, I wish this guy was uh, sitting next to me during this because i i really a shave eight years off my life yeah, staring at yeah, that yeah. immobile prop yeah, yeah. all right we've got to go to break i uh have to get in touch with my own uh mortality and uh drew's got to get in touch with the bathroom and uh clive is just gonna have a just uh, get in touch just get in touch after this untuck it Ever see the guys who wear the button-down shirts untucked? Wait a minute, that's me. It always looks sloppy. It's all right, I'm an artist. I'm a comedian, man. But what's your excuse? You're walking around looking disheveled. Well, untuckit.com has solved this problem. Shirts designed to be worn untucked at perfect length. With innovative design changes and a unique sizing chart, untucked shirts fall at the perfect length no matter what your size. Untucked shirts have been endorsed by GQ and made in America. That's right. 
Made in the U.S. of A, baby. Visit untuckit.com. Use the promo code Adam for 15% off all purchases, plus free shipping. How can you lose? Go to untuckit.com, promo code Adam. Get your 15% off. Get your free shipping. Check it out, man. Right shirt makes all the difference. Untuckit.com. It is the Love Line with uh, Adam Perola, Dr. Drew, and Clive Barker. And um, I know a lot of you know Clive uh, from the work that basically uh, made him famous, which was the whole Hellraiser thing, a trilogy, I guess, and, the, you know, Pinhead and the Candyman and all these uh, uh, bizarre... Uh, grotesque uh, visions of horror, uh, but I, if, if you if you sat across the guy for a couple hours, uh, never in a million years. Uh, he is uh, very genteel. He's has the English accent. He's uh, impeccably groomed, and uh, you just you, you you could someone could give you a thousand guesses, and you'd have no idea uh, what uh, that he was behind the creation of these things. Well, that's I think one of the things which is very healthy about this stuff. I mean, I, I really think there's something very therapeutic about letting the stuff out, letting right. the dark stuff out. You know, in the modern psychoanalytic parlance, it's recognizing the dark side. It's allowing the shadow self. Uh, I don't know. Gustav Jung is one of my heroes. I'm a Jung. He's a psychologist, everybody. Right. Uh, and, he, you know, he's the, first, he's the first guy who writes about the shadow self in, uh, in any great depth, though obviously shamans and poets have been writing about the dark side of our natures forever, Gustav Jung says we have to be connected to this other part of ourselves, which is constantly filling our heads with um, uh, shadow images, images of, of darkness and, and, and forbidden material. And uh, to pretend those forbidden ideas, those forbidden images are not in our heads is not only to put them, put them away when they're part of who we are as human beings, but also not to validate them. And I think it's very, very important. We live in a culture which is so much about um, oh, towing the line of what good health is. Sometimes being healthy is allowing out things which your mother told you were unhealthy. Uh, right. As long as, uh, right. You know, the in only promise is, right. Uh, in fiction. A lot I mean, of people, when they let the dark side out, it means, uh, I, let's go get drunk, go down to the docks, and uh, beat up ethnics. Th that's what, I don't know uh, whether that is a lot of people. Oh, okay, not a lot. I, I don't think no, that no, is no, a lot of people. No, no, you're probably right. I'm hanging out with the wrong people. Uh, <laughs> kind of the problem. keep your family out of this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, we got a question for Clyde, but actually, uh, let's uh, let's uh, take a prom and then we'll go back to uh, Clyde because right. uh, we're just talking about the dark side. Susie, twenty six. Hey. 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 Um, well, my problem is, I I met a man um, about six months ago, and we've been seeing each other obviously that long. But um, he's great. We get along wonderful. I mean, I think I'm really in love with him and. He does things for me and takes me places sexually that I've never, ever been before. But um, he he is not having, he has a real problem having an orgasm. Oh, like really? Six, six months that we've been together, I think he is 
actually had an orgasm while we were having sex or any other way like three times. Hmm. Uh, and how many times have you had sex? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. Well, this guy's a sadist. Uh, I'll tell you, after the first couple of times with no results, uh, that'd be it. Masochist. <laughs> uh, sorry, masochist. He's, he's older than me. He's 46. Or he's 42. Now you're the sadist. I'm 26, and he's 42. Uh-huh. And, I mean, the sex is just fabulous. Does, he, does mean, it bother him? Yeah, it does bother him. As a matter of fact, a, a couple of months ago, <clears throat> believe it or not, he even went to a um, hypnotist. <laughs> what, to get an orgasm? To see, you know, he... I don't You're know, getting he, horny. Jaws, I guess I don't know, but... And actually, believe it or not, that was the... He saw the hypnotist, and then we had um, sex that night. And that was the first time that he ever had an orgasm when we were together. Oh, really? So, and is this part of the, his... the hypnotist worked. You know, we thought it was okay. <laughs> and then, you know. I wore off. Yeah. Uh, but listen, uh, a couple of things. Uh-huh. Uh, if you go to a hypnotist, oftentimes they'll give you a tape of the session. Right, he didn't get that. Uh, he should get that. And then what he, you could do is, all right, Drew, don't put the puss on for just one second here, right at the beginning, and steal my thunder. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm trying to be pragmatic here in the, f in the, the short time that we have with uh, young mm -hmm. Susie. Uh, you could uh, go again, uh, get the sort of booster shot, and bring the <laughs> tape, and put the tape on during the uh, lovemaking, or right before the lovemaking. It certainly couldn't hurt. But here's the big question. Can he take care of himself when he's alone? Um, he, yeah, but he's even find, finding that harder than in the past. Is he on medication? No. You sure? Um, I He's never, that I know, have lied to me before. I mean, he doesn't have high blood pressure or something like that? No. He's actually very physically fit. Mm -hmm. just, I, you know, I was thinking it was me, but, it, I mean, I don't know. He seems to enjoy it. He has no problem getting an erection. It's just that actually... But here's my big question, and I, I uh, we usually apply this to women, but I'll apply it to uh, the man in this case. Uh -huh. He can take care of himself and achieve uh, favorable results uh, most of the time. Mm -hmm. But he says it takes a long time, and it's how long? Well, I didn't ask him. And, it, and it's always been that way for him. No. Oh, uh, three and a half minutes to me is an eternity when I'm masturbating, so, so, so it may no, not be I mean, as long as you think. It sounds like I it might... it's quite a bit longer than that. If it's a, right, if so it, this it's is almost to the point where it's tiring. Yeah, if it's a, <laughs> this change, is a physical for, problem, yeah, if it's a change for him, he's got to get a, a medical evaluation to see what's going on here. A medical evaluation. Absolutely. And the, uh, particularly in that age group, a majority of uh, dysfunction is biologically based. All right. Uh, uh, Clive, everything working uh, all right with you? It's doing very well, thank you. Okay, yeah, just yeah. check it. Yeah, I didn't yeah. want to offend you by not no, asking no, about no, your penis. No, no, no. At forty-four, I'm I'm watching closely, but <laughs> and nothing's dropped off. <laughs> it's, it was all there last time I looked. All right, and seriously, uh, your drive from let's say twenty-four to forty-four uh, sexually um, uh, changed absolutely. It but, did, uh, but I think I think became more focused upon uh, quality rather than quantity. Yeah, it's like you're an old uh, an old pitcher uh, taking the mound. You don't have the fastball, you don't have the stuff, but uh, what you have now is accuracy, and you got a good slider and changeup. Uh, you're learning to work with what you have instead of just out muscling uh, the batter. You finesse him. So nice. You start coaching. You yeah, take that yeah. penis and you finesse it. You don't go for the home run each time. You choke up on it every once in a while. You try to make contact. Go for the home run every time. But... <laughs> All right, but you don't use the pine tar or the uh, rock. John. All right, are yes. you there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. You have a question for Clive?
Oh, I have a couple questions, actually. Hey, John, how you doing? Pretty good. Um, we, we have about a minute and a half, so just ask one. Okay, ask the well, good one. Ask the important one, John. Yes. <laughs> All right, I'd like to tell Clive that uh, I admire his work greatly. Thank you. But um, I'm an aspiring writer myself. Okay. I wonder what kind of advice you would give me to break into the industry. What? Uh, this would be novels or short stories, John? Um, whatever. <laughs> okay. I just like to write. Uh, then I would say uh, the, the shorthand is uh, f find a way that you can discipline yourself. Maybe you're already doing this so that it's a consistent activity. It's not something you just do when the mood takes you. You've got to be, to be a professional writer. You, it cannot be a question of mood. It's got to be a question of I've got to be able to do it at 8.30 on a Monday morning. Even though it's a creative endeavor, it ends up being like any job. You, you have to get up, you have to do it, it, you have to put out. The other thing I was going to say to John is, uh, and again, you may already be doing this, but, you know, don't have, don't have any model for, uh, for the, the kind of writer you want to be except yourself. Um, the only kind of writer that you should be is your own best self. And I think often now people think about, you know, being a writer, being a filmmaker. I want to be Clive Barker. I want to be Quentin Tarantino. I want to be, you know, uh, John, what you can give to the world is unique to you. And, and, and I think if, I, if, if there was one thing I wish I'd been taught when I was 18, it was to value my own voice and to hear my own voice and be aware that my own voice was wonderful just because it was mine. All right. And uh, uh, a lot of us who are doing uh, creative things wish we were uh, right. alerted to the sound of our own voice at a little earlier age. I think but that would be right. I think you did stumble onto it uh, yeah, uh, but earlier I mean, than I most. still stumbled around for a long time thinking that I had to be somebody that I didn't need to be, which is somebody else who was successful. Right. And I think the, the, the best way to success, finally, is to be unique. And the only way you can be unique is by being yourself. Very well put. Hey, Dr. Drew, yeah, Mike. I pretty much, uh, look, I never bought anything online in my life until I met my wife. Oh, and, seriously? Uh, now all I do is go to Amazon. Uh, yeah, I buy pretty much everything on Amazon. And if you want to support somebody that has an affiliate relationship with, with Amazon, you go to their website, you click through the Amazon banner, and at zero cost to you, Amazon shares some of the purchase price with the affiliate. Why are for, you being so nice about it and saying somebody with an affiliate relationship? You're right, Mike. I should be more specific. Forget an affiliate, some vague affiliate. Let's go to Podcast One where you can find the Loveline podcast, the Loveline page. Bookmark that page and just click through on the Amazon banner located at the top of the homepage. You can even use the Amazon banner if you're in Canada or the UK. It makes it easy for all future purchases. Again, it is podcastone.com. Click on the Keep It Free banner to support Amazon and all the wonderful sponsors that make the show possible. Parker uh, is and was our guest tonight. Uh, look for uh, Hellraiser the Musical. <laughs> <laughs> the Ice Coming to the Amundsen. Yes. <laughs> uh, hey, you laugh, but there's a buck to be made there. Uh, believe me. Uh, I can see uh, Pinhead uh, chasing Snoopy uh, down the ice and uh, sodomizing him against uh, the Zamboni in the corner. All right. Uh, Clive, a, a pleasure. 
as usual. And, and God bless you for coming on and not having a project to pimp. Uh, just uh, <laughs> getting your name out there and talking to the kids. Fun, fun, and, uh, fun. Sharing Thank some uh, Clive-isms. Uh, it's always a pleasure, and we'd uh, welcome you back at any time. Just give it six months. All right, uh, Dr. Drew, uh, same to you, actually. Six, six months? Six months. Six months. Uh, nice. All right. Uh, who's coming up? Ah, uh, screw everyone's coming up. Clive Barker. That's Thursday. Up. Amazing. And weird, huh? Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to relax tomorrow. So, until next time, this is Adam Corolla for Dr. Drew saying mahalo. I'm in pain. My breasts are losing. This has been Loveline. The opinions expressed herein are certainly opinions. That's for sure. If you'd like a written transcript of today's program, you probably should have written it down yourself. And if you did, we'd like a copy. Loveline producer Ann Wilkins. This broadcast was copyright 1997 Westwood One Entertainment. This music is MXBX on Tooth and Nail Records. Sit, Obo. Obo, stop dragging your butt across the carpet. This concludes another PodcastOne.com program. Buying a car can be a stressful experience, but TrueCar is changing car buying forever. Yes, TrueCar helps car buyers get rid of the fear that they might overpay. Last month, over 45,000 cars were sold by the TrueCar Certified Dealer Network. And TrueCar.com users save an average of $3,046 off MSRP. When you're ready to buy a car, just follow these three steps. Go to TrueCar.com. Find out what other people paid for the car you're looking for. Then register at TrueCar.com to see the upfront pricing information and lock in your savings. And the third step is simple. Just print out your TrueCar savings certificate and take it to the TrueCar certified dealer for a better, hassle-free car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. Every day, TrueCar.com users receive negotiation-free guaranteed savings. Save time. Save money and never overpay. Visit TrueCar.com today. That's TrueCar.com.